We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Will you say your name for us so we can officially meet you? Bueno... Robin. You know, this may be a little bit more just the fan side of me, but it's just going to be good to have baseball back, man. It's just going to be good to be back playing. It's going to be good to, to see Luis Robert running around center field. Robert in center on the run. Luis Robert makes a dividend, makes a catch. Coming in, going left, going right. He does it all. How good can Robert be? Like I say before, he's going to be the next my throw. Robert is back on it. Luis Robert tracking it all the way to the warning track, and he makes the grab for out number two. <laughs> Wait till the fans see Louis Robert. He's special. He always kind of reminded me of a of Yohan, you know, like a right-handed outfield version of Yohan Mankata. I, I thought he was that kind of athlete. You know, I think you take a casual fan to a game and show him Luis Robert, and they'd be able to figure out, you know, yeah, that guy's, you know, one of the more talented guys on the field. As Luis Robert pummels this ball deep center field. Oh, into the shrubbery it goes. I, I generally say always bet on the athletes. I think he's going to be able to make enough of an adjustment to to eventually become a star. Oh, oh boy, that ball leaked and it continues to leak. Luis Robert to the concourse. Whoa. American League, National League, get ready because Luis Robert is coming. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. Game on, people. It's here. Good morning, baseball people. It is Hit and Run, the score's venerable baseball show on a Sunday morning. We made it. Said it once in uh, in March when spring training began, and then it went away. We made it. You know how I know we made it? Here's how I know. This morning I woke up, and I looked at a box score of a game between two teams. The Phillies and the Nationals is the first one I looked at, and above that box score was a highlight. It was Bryce Harper hitting a home run off of Max Scherzer. That, folks, counts as a morning of the baseball season. When there is knowledge to acquire, there are highlights to watch, there are box scores to pour through. Got three box scores to pour through from games last night, if you want. Mets and Yankees last night. I forget what the third one was. It doesn't matter. Here's what matters. Tonight, tonight, the Cubs and the Sox play right here on 670, the score. Tonight. There's, there's a game tonight, and it's the Cubs and the White Sox, and it's going to be on 670, the score. Come on, man. That's, that's amazing. TV-wise, I think it's on ESPN. It is a Sunday night game. So, um, goodness. We are here. There is lots to discuss, and we will discuss it with you all morning long. A bunch of guests on the show, but some time for your phone calls always, some times for your texts always as well, right here on 670 The Score. In a moment, we're going to talk. We're going to do a segment previewing the Cubs, a segment previewing the White Sox. It's going to happen between now and at 940. 
At 940, we're going to talk about fantasy baseball. But if you're not a fantasy player, don't tune out. We're going to speak about this weird 2020 season and how we're supposed to predict what's going to happen. That's the backdrop of fantasy drafts this week. I already had one the other day. And I want to talk about that with you just a little. But understand, it's a crapshoot. Speaking of a crapshoot, at 1140, I'm going to make my predictions. Who I think is going to win the divisions. Who's going to win in the playoffs. Who's going to make, make it to and win the World Series. Who is going to get the awards. We'll do MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year. Should I do Manager of the Year? Might as well. So we're going to do that at 1140. Good luck, everybody. I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. Each game is worth 2.7 games of what would be a regular 162-game season. The whole year is going to have an intensity and a bit of a chaos to it like the postseason does. That every game matters like crazy. And, oh, man, I'm I'm really, really looking forward to it. Uh, In terms of guests along the way, I mentioned we'll do Fantasy at 940 with Nick Pollock, the founder of Pitcher List. Cole Wright, um, good man over at Marquee Sports Network, the host at Marquee Sports Network. We're going to talk about the Cubs a bit, but we're going to talk about the broadcasts uh, on Marquee. We're going to talk about Cole's weird debut at Wrigley in a completely empty stadium for an intra-squad game while he sat under the... The, the Jumbotron or under the video board. And, uh, and also, we're going to ask him about playing in the 1996 Illinois High School All-Star Game against Jason Wirth and others. Because he was a ball player, Cole Wright, and a good one. You'll hear from Kyle Hendricks, who was on the score the other day with me and Danny Parkins, the opening day starting pitcher for the uh, Chicago Cubs. And that is one of the storylines we'll discuss. Our own Bruce Levine, who has been at both camps just about every single day, will join us at 1040. We'll check in with Bruce on the very latest. And at 11 o'clock, we get to talk to a former Major League umpire. Now, I'm looking forward to this. Sean Anderson set it up. Umps Care is the charity that does a lot of good work. And, and one of the umps that does a lot of work with him and helps set it up is Gary Darling. And we're going to talk to Gary Darling about his major league career, about being an umpire, about some of the new rules, about uh, just, you know, umpire umpire life and MLB. He was an umpire in the 2003 World Series between the Marlins and the Yankees in the 2010 World Series. He was also the umpire, I believe, at the All-Star Game in 2003. Um, This time it counts. Over on the south side, right? That's the one he was... uh, that's yeah. the one that we 1993 and 2003. The Hank right, Blaylock uh, eighth inning home run. There you go. The, the game winner from Hank Blaylock. Oh, see, this is the thing. This is how you know it's baseball season. Not because we just mentioned Hank Blaylock, because that kind of stuff has been going on like crazy as we've been delving into what we have and looking at old box scores and old games and stuff like that. No, I watched Bryce Harper homer off Max Scherzer in highlight form. I almost wept with a box score and a highlight. And then I looked through the box score and I said, what? Emilio Bonifacio is still in the league? Yes, he is. He's a national. He pinch hit and was a, a runner in that, in that game at age 35. That's how you know it's baseball season. <laughs> You're really, what? This guy's still here? I'll give you a nugget. Remember Nate Jones? White Sox fans? He made the Cincinnati Reds opening day 30-man roster. Good for Nate Jones. Terrific stuff. Nice guy. Could not stay healthy. When he does, it can be dominant stuff he made the reds roster so maybe we'll see nate jones pitch for cincinnati this year 
312-644-6767 is the phone number. Before I get to um, uh, the White Sox storylines and Cubs storylines, Sean, did you hear me talk about my fantasy draft the other day? I drafted four Chicago players, and really for show content, truth be told, it's a long-time hit-and-run tradition, is drafting people in your fantasy draft for show content, for conversation. Because here's the deal, I draft people I'm excited about, people I think are going to do very well. Did you hear me talk about this at all? Yeah, I was uh, I was in the room with Tanny uh, on Friday, so I, I know okay. who you got in the seventh round, and I think that that is a very smart choice. I don't think it was a reach at all. You don't think it was a reach to get Luis Robert in round seven? I knew it. It felt like a reach at the time. I didn't care. Part of why I didn't care is that it's such a weird year. There's going to be bona fide outfield bats available already now and in week one that you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, no, didn't think that guy was even going to play. All right, well, I'll grab him now. That kind of stuff. Um, got Lucas Giolito, who I thoroughly believe in. As we segue into the White Sox storylines, because I, I drafted three members of the White Sox. And the number one storyline of this White Sox season right now, it, it's, it's even, it has trumped the general storyline of are they ready to win? The number one storyline is Luis Robert potentially living up to the hype. Where does he hit? And the comps that continue to flow in about Luis Robert. If you missed this yesterday, he homered twice. Play whatever you want, Sean. My goodness. Because he homered, first off, Kelvin Herrera, and that was too deep, 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 barely left center. And then later on, he homered off Steve Ciszek, down the line to the last row of the outfield concourse. Oh, oh boy, that ball leaked, and it continues to leak. Luis Robert... <laughs> Look out to the concourse. Whoa. <laughs> so even more bigger right now than are they ready to win is of all these interesting young players, Luis Robert going to live up to it. He might live up to it. So I've got, I've got 11 White Sox storylines. You ready? Here's what I got. Robert living up to it. Number two, are they ready to win as a collective? And that it was with Ricky Renteria very much in mind. Another storyline, Yasmani Grandal helping every single pitcher, seemingly. What we have learned about Yasmani Grandal, I love what James McCann brought to the team last year. Very important. I've talked about it a lot. I did not realize what Yasmani Grandal brought to the table as a catcher in terms of handling a pitching staff. It is amazing. Everyone has talked about it. Every pitcher he has worked with has talked about it. And, uh, in fact, we have Dylan Cease talking about it. But here's the deal. Gio Gonzalez says that Grandal helped him dramatically last year in Milwaukee. They get to work together again. A great piece by Steve Greenberg last week in the Sun-Times. I hope you read. If you did not, basically, the gist of it is that Grandal figures out what every pitcher needs from the entire arsenal of mechanic work, of um, uh, data work, of um, metric analysis, um, uh, of, all, of attack and approach, mental focus, whatever they need, he helps them work on, and he enjoys it. It's pretty special. Here's Dylan Cease talking about Grandal. Uh, it'll be like, hey, when I faced you the other day, you were doing this, so I knew what pitch was coming, and I'd be like, sick, nice, okay, I'll fix that. <laughs> then it'll be, it'll be something like, you know, 
if I'm bouncing my curveball, as simple as, you know, train your eyes up higher. But, I mean, he's always got an adjustment for really, um, you know, anything that's going on. At the very least, you know, those low pitches that he, he ends up getting strikes for are is huge. I haven't, you know, I haven't gotten to work with him a whole lot in game situations. So um, I'll probably have a way better answer for that at the end of the year. But I think at the very least, just his framing and his pitch callings is huge. All right, so framing and pitch calling and also telling Dylan Cease when he's tipping and also helping him with his curveball. By the way, did you guys see Dylan Cease the other day? See the breaking stuff from Dylan Cease? If you didn't, I'll tweet out a link in a little bit from Sox Machine, who did a nice job uh, putting it all together um, with a, a, a cavalcade of GIFs, and it is a soft G, a cavalcade of them. Um, everybody just frozen. You're mean Mercedes multiple times. Guys, multiple times in the same at bat, being frozen by the curveball and the slider. Dylan C's looking good. That's another one of the storylines, his potential excellence and improvement. Yoan Moncada is back and just in time for the season. Did not play last night, expected to get into a game maybe today, maybe tonight, I should say, against the Cubs. Cubs-White Sox tonight, right here on the score. I'm giddy. So that's another storyline. Moncada, and, and can he pick up where he left off? Without Michael Kopech, how will the Sox utilize their boatload of young arms? Is somebody going to be a rover? A rover being a starter who throws on his start day and then three days later uh, when, on his side day when he would be taking a bullpen, he just gets in the game instead. Is Renteria going to use a rover? Who of the young arms is going to make an impact? Another storyline, one of Carlos Rodon's last chances. It's a free agent after next year is Rodon. But he's back and healthy post-Tommy John and needs to, to be himself and to be the very best that he can be. <laughs> and he's had stretches of excellence, but stretches of mediocrity, and then, of course, the injuries. Carlos Rodon showing emotion this week, if you missed it, uh, laughing at Luis Robert after he got him to fly out. This on the heels of Robert homering off Rodon the last time Rodon pitched and falling down and that thing going viral the way it did. Rodon showing some emotion. Go ahead, kid. He is an emotional... Um, passionate guy go ahead be yourself so Rodon's one of his last chances Lucas Giolito maintaining excellence I drafted Lucas Giolito in the fourth round because I believe that that dude has figured it out and remember he was the number one prospect in all of baseball because the stuff is real because the makeup is real the control and now he's figured it out We've talked a lot about him. Multiple adjustments. Last year, I think at one point when I broke it down, I counted six different things that he did in the offseason to become the pitcher he was last year. They're going to stick, and he's only going to figure things out more. He may struggle at some point, but, man, I think Giolito is, is going to just continue to bloom. A couple more White Sox storylines before we take a break and do the Cubs. Reynaldo Lopez possibly focusing and improving his mental approach to the game that helps the stuff get truly unleashed. And so he can be very good. Worst ERA in the American League last year. Earlier this week, The Athletic put out a ranking of starting pitchers, only four true aces on that list. They polled 20 different people in baseball. All 20 of them called, it's called this guy an ace. Only four of them. Scherzer, Verlander, DeGrom, 
and Garrett Cole. That's it. But much higher than you thought on the rankings than you would have thought was Reynaldo Lopez because of the stuff and the possibilities. Let's see it, Reynaldo. Time is now. Tim Anderson maintaining his excellence. Getting better in the field, hopefully. Improving. Continuing with that high babip because he's got terrific bat control. Keeping that approach at the plate. Sure, maybe adding a few walks, adding some on-base percentage will be nice. But if he is what he was last year, come on. That's outstanding. But maybe he can get, any, get, get even better. Maintain the excellence at the very least. And my last White Sox storyline, the young guys, Nick Madrigal, Andrew Vaughn, Zach Collins, their roster situations. I'm looping it all together. Madrigal wants to make the opening day roster. We'll see. Andrew Vaughn may not have an at-bat all season long, these 60 games. But he may. I have to see what the turnover is going to be. And can Zach Collins carve out a place for him on this team as it continues to fill up with DH, first base, catcher, pinch hitter types? You know, a lot of guys like that. Zach Collins have a place or not. All right, those are my 11 White Sox storylines. Sean Anderson, White Sox fan, how'd I do? Did I get most of them in? I think you did pretty well, and I think, I think you, you really hit the, the head home with uh, Tim Anderson. I think this is going to continue to be a big year for him, and I think people are expecting him to take a, 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 a step back, but I, I think he's going to be locked in, and I think he might be one of, if not the best hitter on the White Sox this year, just because it's 60 games, he's going to go all out, and we saw what he did last year at the start of the season. I think he can do something similar. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I want to see it. A lot of people think there could be a regression. Um, but, you know, I, it, it depends how they hit the ground running. Are they ready to win? And remember that they, in general, I believe, are built very, very well for this 60-game sprint. Come out hot with momentum that you've carried over from the spring now to summer camp. Feeling good. Get off and running. Six and three in their first nine. That's what I want. The first nine games are against three divisional opponents. They are all on the road. All of them. If they can go six and three, or wait, two-thirds of them are on the road. Excuse me. You got the schedule in front of you, Sean. They start, um, they start with Minnesota, and then I know Detroit is in there, and Cleveland, right? Pulling it up right now. It's loading. Uh, so, yeah. So, start off at home against the Twins, and then uh, right away they go to the uh, Cleveland, and then they go to Kansas City. Oh, so, Kansas City. Yeah, okay. Twins, Indians, and Royals. Twins at home, Indians, and Royals. On okay, so first nine games, all against the division, two series on the road. If each game is worth 2.7, that's like 24 games, essentially. Okay? So, your first nine games. If they can go 6-3 and three with two of those series on the road, hmm. That would be very, very good. That'd be the equivalent of starting a 162-game season 16-8 and eight, all against your division with two-thirds of those games on the road. You'd feel really, really good at 16-8. and eight. All of the division games with two-thirds on the road. So I'm looking for 6-3 and three from the White Sox in the first nine. If it's not that, I'm not going to give up on them. But boy, if it is that, then watch the F out. It is hit and run on 670, the score. A pleasure to be talking baseball on, uh, on, on, on a day when you're going to hear baseball tonight on the score. Cubs baseball. And Sox. That's right. Cubs and Sox is tonight. But you and me talking uh, all morning long. 312-644-6767. You can text. You can call. We do Cubs storylines next on Hit and Run.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 100%. He's one of the players that I top tops of my list, top two or three, in which I would give him the utmost respect I could, I could give any player. Um, essentially, he was a playing manager with us that year. Um, obviously, the two years that I was there, 15 and 16. That's former Cub pitcher Jason Hamill on Hit and Run about a month ago, maybe five weeks ago, talking about David Ross. He was a manager as a player for those two years that Hamill was there, including the year they won the World Series. Welcome back in. It is Hit and Run. On 670 The Score, I'm your host, Matt Spiegel, and we just did White Sox storylines for the upcoming season, going through them, making sure we've got everything covered, setting the table for baseball, which begins officially tonight, right here on The Score. What time is the game in the pregame tonight, Sean? You got the info there? Cubs and Sox here tonight on The Score and on the Cubs Radio Network. 7 p.m. will be first pitch, 6.50 pregame. All right, there we go. That means I think tonight what you're going to hear is that song, you know that song, you've got the Cubs game on the score. You know that. I don't know if you know who wrote that, who sings that song, but it's me. Um, Also, you'll hear Lynn Bramer, friend of the show, Lynn Bramer, now the voice of promos for pregame and in-game Cubs and Sox a bit. So you're going to hear Lynn Bramer as the voice setting up Zach Zaidman and then Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer. Those guys will be at the ballpark. Woo! Game on. Here we go. Tonight, you can sit there on the balcony and listen to the ball game. I would hope via the MLB at bat app, Sean. I, like, I don't know if tonight qualifies to not be on the stream. Usually, MLB games are not on the stream because they're all on the MLB at bat app. That's how you have to listen to ball games so they can count you that way. So. Um, look, the MLB at bat app is a phenomenal value. It's usually 20 bucks. I haven't even checked this year and maybe they haven't even, oh, did I buy it? Maybe I bought it earlier already, but it, it's, it's usually 20 bucks for the entire season and you get the audio of every game and you can just bounce around as desired. Or if you've got a radio that punches in 670, you can do that as well. Here are your Cubs storylines from my perspective. Number one is still what Jason Hamill just talked about. The new manager, David Ross. Ross energizing the team, and what can his effect be day-to-day, at-bat-to-at-bat, in this weird little 60-game sprint? Here's David Ross from yesterday on a Zoom call, because that's what we have these days, about what kind of manager he's going to be with human experience, with metrics that he's steeped in. Remember, he basically went to managing school with Theo and Jed and others, often in that suite during games last year. And then during the pandemic, they've been working on stuff remotely a lot. Here's David Ross. Everything in this job is is really using my experience and, and feel, I guess, uh, you know, Joe Madden used to say uh, experience's gift is, is feel. And so that's the that's something that I don't want to take away, and and I understand too. The the analytics department, the R and D group, um, has uh, a lot of uh, 
models that that spit out numbers and, and give me a good direction on on you know success or failure of of the group and trying to bring those two together and make my own decisions as, as well as talking to my coaching staff all that stuff matters so um yeah I, I i take it all into consideration i'd be dumb not to i loved talking to kyle hendricks the other day and asking about david ross and he's saying same as always just a baseball guy loves baseball loves the game if you heard ross talk about hendricks and his stuff during the course of the week when he named him the opening day starter it was awesome just just the the passion the knowledge all of it and um the you just he really likes baseball so, you know, that matters. Um, by the way, Sean, I, just to backtrack, Lynn Bramer is the voice of billboards, the billboards on the Cubs pregame show and the Cubs uh, broadcast. And I'm told that uh, the Cubs radio network and the score are currently in negotiations with the band for use of the song. The band being Tributosaurus. Yeah. Well, we'll see how those negotiations go. Notoriously, that band drives a hard bargain, baby. I heard they're not good faith negotiators either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, now you're getting to uh, Bob Nightingale quotes from uh, during the week. <sighs> nope, let's focus. Continued Cubs storylines. Kyle Hendricks' ascension to being the man. He's the dude. He really is. And that's fine. He's uh, slightly atypical as your number one starter, but that's what the dude is. Storyline number three for me is you Darvish maintaining the excellence that he found in the second half of last year. Being himself with that wide array of stuff, unbelievable swing and miss tendencies. I mentioned that thing in The Athletic earlier this week with all the different pitchers rating and uh, the only four true aces, and then they had everybody else that they were calling uh, um, you know, number one starters and then twos and threes and just a guy. Those are the categories. Well, in the, uh, the twos and threes category, they had Darvish and Hendricks literally right next to each other. Their rating was right next to each other. And there's such different kinds of pitchers. It tells you something cool about the game. When two guys who are that different can be thought of in virtually the same level by baseball people. Storyline uh, number four, and maybe this should be even higher, and that's fine. The potential, sorry, the positional core, the core group of position players trying for their own version of the last dance. That's the deal. And that should be. There should be right there, number two. It's connected with Ross. And it really is fascinating. These guys feel a sense of abandonment, a sense of disbelief in them from outside sources, whether it is um, prognosticators, many of whom pick them fourth in this division whether it is their own front office who they believe is not willing to step up and pay. We know what the realities of the finances are. Don't need to reopen that to conversation litigation. But how they feel is very, very important. And those players feel like they need to push back. And the best way to push back is to win. Do it. Do it. Go ahead. Own it. Own that feeling. Take it. If you're David Ross, play to it. Go ahead. Feed that beast. Maybe they'll win. Another storyline. Anthony Rizzo's back. And some good news on that front yesterday. Rizzo took part in a workout. He took ground balls. He took full-on batting practice and apparently felt good. That's very good news. So is the back... 
Occasional stiffness. Um, so, and what what they find at the MRI, they found, uh, I don't know, a tendon, whatever they called it. Sean, it, it, find me the results of the MRI. I remember being worried that it was going to find something serious, and then they just found something to sort of attribute to. Inflammation of the rib, I think, is what they found. Inflammation of the rib. Rib head, I think. Rib head? What's a rib head? I think I that know. was the phrasing. Okay. Inflammation of the rib head. Anyway. He's dealt with this, and he knows his body, and he has always been able to play, and he's a tough hombre. So, but that's a storyline. Here's another, another. Craig Kimbrell trying to stave off what has seemed to be decay, straight-up decay. Really bad last year in the shortened season. 11 homers in less than 21 innings. <laughs> Giving up a couple of bombs in intra-squad, too. I'm worried about Craig Kimbrell. Perhaps you've heard that I think you should throw a changeup. Maybe you've heard me bring that up. It's been, it was my spring training obsession. It has continued here in summer camp. He's talked about it with a willingness that makes me have my eyes wide open. Beginning tonight, let's see. He hasn't thrown one yet in any intra-squad game, I don't believe. But he's talked about an openness to do it. Let's see it, Craig. A couple more Cubs storylines. A year when the Cubs would ordinarily be considering trades. Would they? Would they now? Could they now? Morally, ethically, could you trade a player in the middle of a pandemic? Oh, wait a minute. We had a trade yesterday. We had a trade, Sean. What's up with that? Guys got moved. Now, the trade market is a very, very weird thing. Difficult to figure out. The Royals got Ronald Bolaños, a right-handed pitcher, and an outfielder, Franchi Cordero, from the Padres for Tim Hill. Franchi Cordero was a big-time outfield prospect with a lot of power who has not lived up. He's had some injuries, but he also doesn't hit arbitration until next year, so there's a lot of control there, and it's worth a shot. Bolaños supposedly is a, a pitching prospect who has a chance, really hasn't pitched very high. I don't even think he's been to AAA. But this is it's a small trade, but it's a trade. And these are fully controllable guys who you don't have to walk up to really and say, hey, look, we're going to do this, and I know it's going to mess with you and your family. Could the Cubs walk up to Chris Bryant and say, hey, man, I know um, you're not crazy about playing anyway, um, and you're here, and it's, it's great that you're here because you have a, a newborn, but we appreciate that you've really grown to trust us and what we do in terms of the health and safety protocols for this virus and keeping everybody safe. Oh, by the way, we're going to send you to Houston, and you'll have to trust what they do. They want you to play uh, first base or left field there while they make a stretch run for the next two years, okay? Or we're going to send you to San Diego, and you just have to trust what they do. Well, he might say yes to San Diego. Not that he has to say yes, but played college ball out there. But that's my point. Can you ask a guy to trust another organization in the midst of a pandemic? I don't know. Hmm. I wouldn't. More Cubs storylines. Kyle Schwarber maintaining the excellence that he found. I drafted Kyle Schwarber. That's my Cubs draftee. Drafted four guys in my fantasy, in my fantasy league. From Chicago teams. And Schwarber's the Cub I drafted. Because I got him very late. I think 13th round or something. I'm like, oh man, he's going to kill it. Because I, I think Kyle figured it out. Second half of last year. And you know what sold me even more than the second half of last year? 
Very first intra-squad game, dude tripled down the line. Showed up ready to go. That's right. That's right. I'm taking intra-squad success from the get-go into account as I think about these guys' futures. Laugh at me all you want. It's baseball. And it's a weird short season of baseball. Stuff matters. Couple more storylines. How will the bullpen shape up between the starters and Kimbrel? Who is it? Rowan Wick. See, your middle closer. Is Brad Wick your first lefty instead of Kyle Ryan? Or is Kyle Ryan still as good as he's been since they helped him figure it out? Is Jeremy Jeffress back to being the guy he was in, at his peak in Milwaukee? Very, very effective. Could be even a ninth inning option. Those are your main guys. There's a few more. Does Alec Mills end up in the pen as a swing guy? Those kind of things. Two more. Will the draftees step forward? Albert Almora, hey, good things about Albert here in the spring. We're in the summer camp. Good things about Albert we're reading and seeing, about the focus, about the approach at the plate. We've all read that before. Show us. Show us, Albert. How about Ian Happ? Some good stuff in the second half last year after he came up from having been uh, sent down at the beginning of the season and being upset about it. Let's see what Ian Happ brings. Is Nico Horner going to make this team? And give you something as a backup shortstop, an occasional second baseman. And then how about this wild card of a draftee? Dwayne Underwood. You remember Dwayne Underwood? Yeah, that Dwayne Underwood. I was doing a game, one of the games I did pre and post for last year was when Underwood came on in mop-up duty and struck out the world. Just it was was completely dominant for multiple innings in mop-up duty last year. He has always had good stuff. It's, a, I believe, a 2012 draftee from the Cubs. Now in his ninth year in baseball. Holy hell. But he's been working and learning, receiving lots of praise from Tommy Hadovy. He's got a spike curveball. That's the curveball that goes from 12 to 6. It starts out looking like a fastball, looking like a four-seamer, and then dies. Sort of like uh, the old split finger used to, or a real good fork ball. That spike curveball is what a lot of relievers are trying to learn. And Dwayne Underwood picked one up. That could be a very big thing. It's what Rowan Wick has. When Rowan Wick learned to throw a curve, that's what he learned to throw. His is real good, and it drops straight down. And my last Cubs storyline, can Jose Quintana give them, well, anything? Anything. I know I didn't mention Chatwood. You can add Chatwood in there. Um... But Quintana, like, first of all, it's been a disappointment. He's been stable. He keeps showing up. He keeps pitching. But results have been disappointing. And now, with the nerve damage in the finger from having reached into a sink and sliced himself, I assume that's how it went. I think about it every time I do dishes now, by the way. Jose Quintana has messed with my head. I now think about, is there a knife in there? I better be careful. Is there a, uh, is there a, a food processor blade sticking up in there? When I pureed the cauliflower, did I uh, take the Cuisinart blade and put it somewhere else, or is it in the dishes? Careful, people. So can Jose Quintana give them anything? And the answer from a texture is no. All right, I think that's a little too simplistic, and I hope it's not true, but we'll see. All right, but here we go. There's 11 for the Cubs, 11 for the White Sox. Did I miss anything on the Cubs, Sean? What do you think? I think the only thing would be Chatwood. What, what is he actually going to bring this year? And is he going to be a, an actual starter? Or are they going to have to you know, bring him out of the pen? Hmm. 
Yeah, no, they're going to let him start and give it a shot. And um, and I have a lot of respect for Chatwood. I have a lot of respect for the work he did, uh, how he stayed focused, stayed into it, stayed making efforts, and was very useful last year. And I wanted him in high leverage in short situations because he's got real good swing and miss stuff, real good arm. But now back in the rotation. Let's see. Let's see it, Tyler. Good moment for him. Okay, I'll add that one in for sure. Top of the hour, we'll talk to Cole Wright from Marquee about, among other things, his baseball career and leaving the NFL Network to come and do Cub games in his home state, Joliet, Illinois' own Cole Wright. Before that, how do you make predictions about teams, players, trends in this weird-ass season? Right now, this week, it's fantasy baseball, but it's really real baseball and what the hell goes on in your head when you're trying to pick a team this week we do that next right here on 670 the score so many people uh have joined in uh alex fast from pitcher list has joined us this is i want to read this tweet yeah. i don't mind alex alex is wonderful and very pioneering and uh, with pitcherlist.com it's a place that i go all the time before games to watch what opposing pitchers throw alex tweeted i don't mind that it's an intra-squad game i don't mind that there are no fans i don't mind that all the players are in, in jerseys being able to listen to a baseball game with us is making this a great great monday oh that's great Pitcher list. I'm there right now. Jason Benetti, Chuck Garfine. The top 100 starting pitchers for 2020. The 60 game edition. It's from a couple of weeks ago. Talking about this very weird season. Let's talk about it. From both the fantasy baseball perspective and just a baseball perspective. Because here's the thing. They're kind of the same thing. We welcome in Nick Pollock, the founder of Pitcher List. Right now, right here on 670 The Score, joins me on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. Nick Pollock, how are you? Good morning. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Uh, absolutely. So this is the thing. I mean, I've played fantasy football a lot, of course, played fantasy basketball. Fantasy baseball always feels most similar to the actual sport because every day you wake up, got to do a lineup, and baseball being the perfect blend of individual achievement within the team concept, that's what my fantasy team is, rooting for guys individually, but then they come together as a team. So it, uh, it, do you agree with that? In terms of the sports, it approximates the real thing uh, the best. Definitely. No, I think it's, it's one of those aspects where you actually do feel like a manager. You have a full staff. You have to rotate them in. You have a full lineup. It's, it's so much fun for all of us that obviously are not actually part of the game. Yes. Um, I, I, had a, I had one draft this past week. I have another on Tuesday. Um, the highest drafted Chicago baseball player from either team in your draft, the guy who goes before anybody else, should be who? Oh, man. that's oh, I, I don't know who that is. I'm thinking maybe it's you. No, Javier Baez, I mm-hmm. believe, would be the highest one. That would be the third round or so, uh, especially if you're trying to get stolen bases. I mean, if you went the first two rounds with, say, like a Bryce Harper and then a Nolan Arenado. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe Bryant in there as well. Um, the first pitcher taken from either team should be see, who? See, that's the thing. Some people are going to say Lucas Giolito. I personally am going to say you, Darvish. I really believe the second half change you said to me last year changed his arm angle on his fastball. So all of a sudden now Darvish is throwing 95-96 consistently. And that cutter is so good with an amazing slider that misses a ton of bats. I believe he only had seven walks in that second half yes. last year, which is yes. absolutely ridiculous. And meanwhile, 
across the way at Lucas Giolito. Well, he actually had a, a bit of a struggle after that initial hot start, a 4.41 ERA after his first six starts. So not exactly the, the pristine arm that you're hoping to get earlier in drafts with Giolito. I love him. I love that changeup that he has. But I want to give this to Darvish. Hmm. Interesting. I disagree, but we'll see. Um, I got Giolito <laughs> in the fourth round, and uh, Darvish mm-hmm. went well after that. But we'll see. That's just one draft, obviously. Um, it, it's very interesting. Um, then Hendricks will get taken. Who's the second White Sox starting pitcher that people should, should consider and then take in their fantasy drafts? So, so with the White Sox, there are some intriguing options. I think Dylan Cease is someone that people should be focused on. We're very curious about his command. This was something last year where I just wanted to take all the fastballs he threw in the upper right-hand corner and just kind of drag them down with my mouse into the strike zone often because he just wasn't quite there with his command. But we've heard a lot this offseason about him fine-tuning his mechanics. And if he can bring that heater a little bit more into the zone while having some good control of those breaking balls, Dylan Cease is a guy that had a 24% strikeout rate last year. That's above average already. He could push towards the elites of 30% if that comes together. I'm so curious to see how that works out for, for Cease. And I kind of want to say like Dallas Keuchel a little bit. It hmm. was Michael Kopech before. Obviously, he's opted out since. But the problem with Keuchel is early on he has a bad matchup. And you, you just it, it's too close to a waiver wire production right now with Dallas Keuchel. You might as well take the upside in Dylan Cease. Yeah, I think that's well said. And Keuchel, you kind of know what the floor is going to be. But in fantasy, you're trying to find those guys who are about to break out and give you excellence, give you true excellence at tremendous value. And Cease is a good right. thought. I wonder if Renato Lopez is going to get drafted at all. Maybe not, but he'll be a guy who gets picked up after his first start or second start if he starts to look okay. Yeah, Renato Lopez is the coin flip to me because he's someone that on a given day, when it all comes together, he's phenomenal. When he's able to throw both a slider and change it for strikes, then all of a sudden that heater becomes a super deadly weapon as he goes up and in it to left-handers and right-handers alike. But you don't know what you're going to get on a given day. And there's there have been so many games last year watching him where that slider or changeup just weren't there. And if he can get both of them in one game, he can excel and he can give you those seven innings of one earned round ball and eight strikeouts easily. But it's going to be a, a toss-up. And even if he has one good start at the beginning of the year, you won't know if he's going to be there in that second one. Yeah, I, and, and among the among the Cubs starters, I, I, I feel great about Hendricks. Um, feel great about uh, feel really good about Darvish. After that, do you take anybody in that rotation? I, I would not personally. Um, hmm. it, it's interesting. Hendricks is someone that I, I don't find myself gravitating towards in drafts, just because his upside is capped. Obviously, he doesn't push a ton of strikeouts. He's actually not going as deep into games as we normally would like to see. And it makes it so, yes, we do like those ratios, but if he's going to go in any direction this year. And I don't actually expect him to get worse, but if he were to do anything, it would be going down as opposed to up as he's gotten worse over the years. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's one of those cases where you have to balance your upside and your floor here, and I don't think there's enough to really elevate Hendricks up my draft board. But yeah, John Lester, uh, Tyler Chadwood, Alec Mills, I'm not chasing any of this. Uh, the fact that Chatwood is a number four right now is, is something to me, uh, considering that I believe he's had a season with a higher walk rate than strikeout rate, which I don't think I've ever seen with a starting pitcher before. Yeah, not, not, not so good. All right, we're going to fight uh, on Hendricks you know, physically. We're going to have a fist fight about, <laughs> about, about Kyle Hendricks. Look, no, look, I understand he's a better 
pitcher for MLB than he is a fantasy pitcher yeah. for MLB. 100%. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and that is, that is, so th- this is one of those places where, like, I love the way that he is a master at reading swings and eliciting weak yeah. contact and stuff like that. But that doesn't really play very well in a fantasy sense. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. But, 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 I'll, but I'll add this look for him to go deeper into games this year. David Ross talked I would love about to it. See that. Yeah, David yeah. Ross talked about it. David Ross trusts him in a way that um, <clears throat> that I don't think Joe Madden truly did for that third time through the lineup. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to see you're, you're going to see Kyle Hendricks get a little bit of a longer leash um, this year. Well, if he does that, I mean, it's a 20.5 percent strikeout rate. We just talked about Cease is 24 percent being above average and then pushing 30. I don't think that strikeout rate is going to go up from Hendricks. It's only a 10 percent swing striker, which is very very average. Normally you want to see like a 12% or 13% overall. 10% is pretty much middle of the pack. And, okay, so let's say he goes that extra inning, 6 to 7. Then you got to cross your fingers you gain a 3.5 ERA and a 1.15 whip. I don't know if we're going to get that. And so if that was a certainty, I would be pushing Hendricks up. I just don't know what we're going to get out of Hendricks overall this year. Um, Nick Pollock from Pitcher List. Um, how high is too high to draft Luis Robert? Two homers yesterday. <laughs> I went. I went and grabbed him in round seven, and I felt like it was a reach, but I did not care. That was this past Thursday night. Where where should people be thinking about Luis Robert? So I am so sorry in advance. I have been a little bit concerned about uh, Luis Robert because in the minor leagues last year in AAA, he had a twenty one percent swing strike rate. Mm-hmm. This is easily one of the worst metrics I've seen uh, for swing strike rate among minor leagues. Look, we normally see like 12%. We were worried about Javier Baez uh, on the Cubs, and that was about 16% when he was a free swinger. Luis Robert is a guy that is not going to take walks. It's a, it was a sub-5% walk rate in the minors, a 25% K rate because he is just chasing at everything. And we actually have already seen in these intra-squad games some incredibly bad swings. Yes, he has it two home runs. I'm very, very cautious going after it, and I'm more than ready to allow those in my league that are hyped and want to make sure they get the next big thing. It could be Luis Robert. I'm a little bit conservative on him, so I'm waiting until the 10th, 11th round when I'm ready to take more of a risky pick. Hmm. Uh, All right. Well, I think he'll be gone for most people uh, by around 10 or 11. This is the Chicago bias that will start to come into play uh, (laughs) at at, at this point. We we, we know that's the case. Um, Tell people about some of the basics of pitcher list. I'm looking at the list here of the top 100 starting pitchers. And it's funny. You guys have the cutoff after the top four, just like the piece that I referenced earlier from The Athletic this week that those guys did. It's the same four. Cole, DeGrom, Scherzer, Verlander, and then mm-hmm. there's a line. And Walker Bueller, the first one after, that was the exact same as that. Isn't that interesting that your list dovetails with what they did, which was a poll of 20 different baseball people uh, from front offices? Yeah, that's the, that's the consensus, really. Those are the, the legit four aces right now in the majors. And actually, since I, I put out a new one on Thursday, I pushed Walker Bueller all the way down to 15 just because of how the Dodgers are using him right now. He only pitched two innings on Friday. I know, He's I not know. ready to go for day one, and that's a problem because you have a short season. You need production out of the gates from all of your starters, and that's very much a, uh, a strategy I'm taking in my drafts. But what we do at Pitcher List, I rank the top 100 starting pitchers for fantasy every single Monday through the year. I also do an article every morning recapping all 30 starters from the night before and what you should think about it. But we do a ton of content, going deep articles just in line with fan graphs. 
uh, op-ed pieces, nastiest pitches from the night before. We do about 20 pieces of content every single day on the site, as well as having a Discord where we can all give fantasy advice to all of our community as well. So it's, it's a huge package. If you're looking for it, a one-stop shop for everything you need, both baseball and fantasy, that's what you'll find at PitcherList. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So he's good for fantasy, but you heard Jason Minetti say he looks there all the time just to see what other guys are throwing and stuff like that. So consider it a resource added to my pile as well. Nick Pollock, nice to talk to you. Thanks, man. An absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. You got it. Nick Pollock, the founder of Pitcher List. I'm looking for that latest one, um, Sean, because I see the one from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I, need, I need the most recent one. And, yeah, I drafted Walker Buehler the other night. I got to think about that. I don't, know, I don't know what I can do. I think I drafted him too high because of the limited usage. And I had heard rumors of that, and I still picked him. Boo, Spiegel, boo. Here's what's coming up on the show the rest of the way. At 11 o'clock, the president of the Umps Care charity, longtime Major League umpire Gary Darling will join the show. Bruce Levine at 1040, the Scores Baseball Insider. You'll hear from Kyle Hendricks uh, at 1020 or so. Coming up next, Cole Wright. Host at the Marquee Sports Network, at Cole Wright on Twitter. He joins us next on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.